This is Game Day Media. For all the latest in education and political news from around the state of Texas, visit my friends at TexasISD.com. The staff at TexasISD.com updates their site each morning with articles, commentary, and news from all over our state. If you have one site to bookmark and visit every day, it should be TexasISD.com. The Crossroads of Education and Legislation. You're listening to Largent Unfiltered with Dr. Jim Largent. want to welcome everyone back to the podcast this week, and we're going to continue our journey around Texas. This week, we're headed to beautiful Tyler, Texas, back in East Texas, where I spent most of my career and uh, visiting with my friend, Dr. Marty Crawford. Welcome, Marty. Well, Dr. Largent, it's uh, nice to, to talk to you and speak with you and opportunity to speak with all of our friends out there. It's, uh, it's, it's also great to hear a little familiar voice. Uh, get that East Texas <laughs> behind the pine curtain twang. It's not like your typical podcast. You don't have that NPR voice. Well, I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm working on that, but I don't think I'm going to get there. So you're going to have to bear with me on my East Texas, uh, dialect here. All right. <laughs> well, Hey, I appreciate you being with us today. And why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about your career path and how you made it to Tyler. ISD. Yeah, uh, I think it is. It starts off with my mom and dad. Both of them were educators, right? And uh, both of them paid their paid their way through college. They they were part of a high school graduation class of eight. A little six man school right. out there on the on the four six ranch. They both grew up really poor, but uh, put their way through college. And my dad had such uh, influence, and my mom too had such in, impact by the educators while they were at Guthrie. Uh, high school and Guthrie schools that they wanted to be educators and um, especially to, to uh, you know to make something themselves and uh, so I followed them into the into the career and, and across school systems and Spur and Lindale and Carthage and then ultimately Grand Prairie where I graduated high school and then, um, just kind of saw how they they raised a family but also the impact that, that they made on the lives of school children in Texas and um so I got a degree from Baylor. Um, that's my bachelor's there. Played a little baseball there, and then and, um, got a master's at University of Oklahoma, and then a doctorate at Texas A&M Commerce, and did all of that um, while working in districts like Oklahoma City Public Schools, and then Highland Park ISD in Dallas, and uh, Hershey's Bedford ISD. A little bit of coaching uh, at those places, and then started my administrative career in Dallas ISD as an assistant principal and ultimately principal high school principal there and then i got my first superintendency in the the, the winter of 2008 uh, west comma texas just outside of, of waco and mcclennan county and right did that for five and a half years and then 2014 tyler um hired me uh been here i can't believe it i'm wrapping up my fifth school year here time and, does uh, fly yeah, yeah, it, it it does, and um, love my time in the West. They're great people there. Of course, I had a tragedy that that, that we all overcame uh, at the back end of when I was there, and, and then made the move over here to Tyler, and and um, we we've had success here, and very appreciative of that. We got eighteen thousand students here, and 
a little bit over 70% economically disadvantaged, 2,600 employees uh, in, in a town of, of 110,000 people, a county of 250,000 people, uh, largest town, largest school system in East Texas. And we kind of uh, affectionately call it the capital of the East Texas Republic because, you know, <laughs> once you once you get behind the pine curtain, you, things are a little bit different over here, but right. uh, they're great. It's a beautiful place, um, just down-to-earth people. Um, salt of the earth people that we that we just um, that I consider my own. Uh, you know, my formative years were spent in East Texas, so coming back to Tyler, where a lot of my second moms and dads are located, uh, because of the time we spent in Lindell and Carthage when I was a kid, um, it's just been a great return home, and um, it, it it just feels like home. And and we've had a success here academically. Um, when I got here in 2014. Uh, Ten of our comprehensive campuses out of the 27 or 28 we have were listed as improvement required. We'd been in, we would have been an F school system at that time if we'd have had this, the, the current accountability system. And then last year uh, it was announced that we had zero comprehensive campuses that were low performing and wow. um, set district records and academic distinctions and. And while accountability ratings on everything, we certainly felt uh, accomplishment because. Um, it's, it shows that kids are learning, and the data is there to prove it. We have made uh, pretty good improvement in uh, closing achievement gaps, and um, you know we're outperforming the state uh, as far as the privates and the charters and all public schools in 17 out of the 24 um, AP exams that we proctor here in Tyler ISD. So uh, it's just it's it's been a, it's been uh, quite an experience, and it has gone by very quick. But when there's a when there's a lot to do, um, it just goes by quick. Yeah, you just put your head down and get to get to yeah. work and and take care of the yeah. things that need to be done. Yeah, great school board. Um, you know, I, I only have four left that actually hired me, but um, they've stayed together. This community really does a good job in making sure that this school board is uh, has has professionals, business professionals, and. Some educators on there as well that 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 really have a a, a good a, a good sense of business, but at the same time um, understand how to how to attain goals. And uh, we've set goals for us. We've accomplished those, and keep keep uh, keep plugging. So I've got to give a lot of credit to our school board trustees. We have a great one here in Tyler ISD, and I had a great one in West. And you know this as well as I do. Great things can happen when you have a decent superintendent, I guess, but when you have a great school board, and we have one of those here. Yeah, I mean, it takes that team of eight to, to really support each other and be on the same page, and, and you're right. When you have a, a leadership team and a board that is all on the same page, you can really accomplish some things really quickly. And, you know, I'm proud of the job that you've done in Tyler. I spent a lot of time there. In my career, you know, in Rusk and, and in that area, so we used to spend a lot of time in Tyler and uh, keep up with the news around there. So I was really proud when you got that job, and and you have done what I expected there. You've done a great job and moved that district forward, and uh, it's been fun watching your career. So mm -hmm. uh, just keep it's up the good over. work. Is that as far left. <laughs> Yes, you do. I, I still I still have a while. I've got a just married my oldest daughter. She's twenty two, and then I've got a. A 17-year-old high school junior. Of course, he'll graduate next year. And then I've got a a, a nine-year-old who's in third grade, being fourth grade. And uh, my wife hates when I say this, but but uh, yeah, that's with the same with the same lady that I've been married <laughs> to now for for uh, for 24 uh, 24 years almost. And 
and uh, so I've got a little bit more left in the tank. Absolutely, uh, I, got, I got that third grader. Absolutely. So one of the things I'm doing this spring is talking to superintendents from around the state and and really trying to get their perspective on the legislative session and some particular bills that they're watching and they're concerned with, and and I guess. You know, obviously, everybody says House Bill 3 is the main driver right now, and uh, that's kind of had some ebb and flows in the last couple of weeks. So wh- where are you on that, as for, or what do you see coming out of House Bill 3? Well, you know, i, I got to think that, obviously, when it goes to conference committee, that, that there's some statements that have been pretty bold and uh, by the big three, everybody keeps calling them the big three, and you yeah. got to think that on the Senate side, Lieutenant Governor saying that he wanted an across the board uh, uh, compensation boost for for teachers and librarians. Uh, you got to think that that's in play when they go to to, to get negotiating in conference committee, and then, oh, yeah. then on the other the other hand, you, you've got the governor who is pretty much demanding that that pre K this session is is going to be funded, and I think that's kind of where we're starting out at. I'm not saying that that um, I think that the number is going to be five thousand uh, dollars in regard to that, as far as compensation boost for every for every teacher and librarian. But I do think that there's going to be an across the board something. Yeah. And I do and I do think that that pre-K is going to be a big deal. So I think that's kind of what we're preparing for. And that's another thing is, gosh, if they don't get it done by sine die, um, you know, what are they going to do if, if they go to to uh, to a couple of additional um, extra sessions? special sessions down there you know we're just trying to prepare like it's like uh like it's going to happen but we've also built them some scenario scenarios that if it doesn't happen can we still pull some of this off and we're still going to try to pull off the pre-k portion of it uh, we do half day pre-k right now like a lot of folks do but it's time it's in our strategic plan from six years ago before i even got to tyler so it's time to check that one off and like our board's committed to it, and the uh, community wants it, and I think that's something we're going to try to do. And if, if the state's going to fund it, that's just going to be great for us. And Yeah, well, the research is clearly there on the pre-K. You know, the research is there on pre-K. It's a no-brainer. The, the state needs to do it. The governor wants to do it. It's in the bill. They need to get it passed and move on. And Yeah, they really do. And, um, of course, you know, there's also data out there that says that the pre-K investment is important obviously down the line as far as the you know uh, the, the, the school to prison sure some of those concerns but there's also data there that says that that after third grade sometimes that pre-k if it's not done well and you don't have some things to sustain the things that you've built in in early ed that it could fall off as well so we're really also looking at what can we bundle together to make sure that we support um, the summer slide that's going to occur no matter what if you do pre-K sure. and and doing and I think that's where we're talking about um, I think the commissioner has some right ideas um, in regard to that, that 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 hopefully we can access the amount of money they've been talking about especially on H on the house side so that we can strategically do some of these things uh, right. to to support our kids that need it the most that where we know that there's a word gap. Uh, from with kids from poverty then and that there is that summer slide to no fault of theirs to no fault of their parents they may not have the academic ability to carry on the the summer uh academic attainment like like a kid that might live in the crawford household um we need to be able to supplant supplant that support that and i think i think they've recognized that 
And um, I'm hoping that our state recognizes that as far as supporting what's going on in Austin with the legislature. So I think those two things are going to come out. Anything past that's just going to be, I think, great for, for, for kids. And, uh, and I, I certainly think it's going to be great for Texas as well because this is, this is our future workforce. And uh, just like Dr. Largent right now, um, our economy's rolling. And when you've got 95% of your workforce has gone through the public education school system, I've got to feel that we've played a big part in that economy. Absolutely. Even though oil and gas, you know, we're sitting on a bunch of top of dead dinosaurs that 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 have have risen again. Right. Um, with oil and gas, um, I do think that the workforce that's driving this economy as well has has been fed from the public education school system. Ninety five percent of our of our school system, and, and we need to continue that. And this is a good quality, solid investment. Um, that, that, that the legislature is talking about. Yeah. And I think you're right on the mark. I think, you know, the big three came out hot when the session started and we're going to get this done. And, and then the bills appeared and the house bill was very detailed and it was truly a, what I would say a school reform of the finance system. And then the Senate bill came out and it was pretty much just a mandated pay raise. And so I, I agree. I don't think the Senate is going to allow the House just to get their way without getting some of what they want. So I agree there will probably be some kind of mandated raise in there. But, uh, you know, right now they're kind of on stall. And so I'd like to see them actually start passing some things and, and get this out because I'm I'm starting to get real worried that they're not going to uh, get this done. And then what last week we came out with the the great tax swap of 2019 i'm calling it that just kind of came out of nowhere where let's just raise everybody's sales tax ascent and buy down property tax so they kind of threw that monkey wrench in the in the plan without even really any notice so i think i think the water is real muddy right now it is but you know noticeably i think there's been a I think there's been a, a very an open dialogue between a lot of players in regard to a lot of this, and I think that you know instead of just going in and just saying that they're going to go, they're just going to go buy down property taxes and they're going to they're going to cap property uh, appraisal growth or tax rate growth, whatever you know, they want to call it. Right. You know, I think they're real, instead of just saying it's going to be our way and no one else's way. I, I, I do appreciate the uh, openness. Of the legislature, um, you know, Matt Schaefer in, in our in my backyard has we we've talked throughout the session, and this has been truly an education educational session, and so I really appreciate appreciate that with him. In fact, yeah. uh, you know, he voted for House Bill three to to come on out. He got some assurances, I think, from the budget writers there that that he wanted to see. And again, he's still keeping a, a very skeptical eye on 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 whether or not they just sustain this long enough uh to, to make these uh the, the property tax reform last and i and i get that i understand it and there's a lot of things at play here especially with trs if you start talking about injecting five thousand dollars across the board raises for everyone that's a big commitment to uh the retirement system absolutely yeah and 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 having to you know ha- having to consider to fund that so we're not repeating this thing over and over, and, and then or twenty years from now we default on or whatever, whenever that happens. Right. Um, uh, you know, Matt Matt has really looked at this from a lot of different angles, and I got to give him kudos on that because sometimes he doesn't get a lot of a lot of positive things said about him, but he's really done a good job this session, and I appreciate his openness on that. Yeah, so, well, great. 
I'm hoping that the Senate side of things will work out as well. I do, I do think that that um, you know that I think some some folks uh, you know were really uh, championing and proud that 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 the uh, the outcomes based uh, compensation was not included. Right. And uh, I'm 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 kind of a contrarian on that. I don't know if I share that with all of my my superintendent friends and and maybe even teacher friends out there. But I I do think in in urban situations, and we've got some urban situations here in Tyler, Texas, with 31 campuses. Um, sure. Um, that that are you know 75 percent or more economically disadvantaged. Uh, we could make that work for us, work for kids, and work for our teachers. So respectfully speaking, I know I'm a little bit more of a contrarian on this. I was a little disappointed that, that some of that was not included out there. And that we actually, I think we're one of 20 school districts and superintendents that actually signed on to a letter. Dr. Michael Hinojosa at a Dallas ISD submitted uh, in support of some of that. And, and I know that not, not everything's perfect and not everything needs to be tied to, you know, one test on one day. And right. there are some other measures that can, that can, that can do that. Uh, but I, I think that we that that right now that's a little bit of a disappointment for me, um, not because everything needs to be tied to one test on one day, but because I do think urban schools or mid-urban schools with multiple schools can make that work. Um, I don't think you know the, the single one-room schoolhouse schools or real small or even rural schools can make that work. I had a I had a uh, a class. A superintendent tell me that that uh, one of my friends said, you know, Marty, my 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 best third grade grade teacher is also my my most challenged third grade teacher because I've only got one. Right, exactly. And and asking me to squeeze more juice out of the, out of that it, it, just because you're going to dangle that out there, it, it's, it's not going to help my school system. So I can't support that, and I get that. And I, right. you you've been a a rural school superintendent, I have too as well, and and um, and under, and understand that. But I, like I said, for the urbans and the larger school systems where you have some flexibility and you've got these pockets of traditionally struggling schools, I do think you can you can make that work with some outcome based compensation. So yeah, I, don't I agree. It, I don't know if it comes out of conference committee. That that's a negotiative tool as well. I've kind of heard that there's some of that still kind of floating around right. uh, teacher groups aren't going to like that at all but again no. i think that if you could do it right and do it well and do it fair uh, i think you you may you may wind up seeing some opportunities come out of tea for maybe some of the mid-sized schools or you know schools fifteen thousand up that have multiple multiple campuses could, could potentially uh utilize that for successful student outcomes yeah and i think it goes along with that concept of just give us a lot of tools in the toolbox and let us at the local level decide what we want to do and what works best in our situation and like you said what works in dallas may not work in Sherino or rusk or tyler but there are elements of it that may work very well so just give us the tools let us have the opportunity to do that and let our local leaders local school boards local community decide what's best for them that's kind of been my mantra through this whole session yeah, you know, our, you, you speak of that. We we've kind of just come up with this little six strategic initiatives concept and uh, concepts and everything from turnaround campuses to uh, what Dallas calls their TEI, that is their outcome uh, yep. uh, model, outcome performance uh, compensation model, 
to, to school safety. You know, that's a big deal. It's coming out of the session. I don't think it's gotten enough, uh, uh, enough, uh, attention uh, when you start talking right. about bills and stuff like that. Um, and requirements that are going to be passed down to the, to the school districts, um, rightfully so in regard to school safety. And, um, uh, that along with pre-K, along with school choice and innovation, we've got six strategic initiatives and, and we're just, we're hoping that the, uh, the, that the legislature will turn loose of some of that, uh, control and give it back to the local control so that our school boards can support the administration, uh, to make our school systems great. I think you've got a crop of, school leaders across the state that that are that are looking at this as an opportunity to really do great things for kids and, and great things for the profession because there's a we've got to keep good teachers in the profession we've got to attract good teachers to the profession and this all goes into that to, to that formula and um i hope that i hope that that, that we have positive news come at the end of may or or whatever special sessions there are this summer i agree so let's switch gears a little bit and talk a, a little bit about the charter school issue and i know there's several bills out there uh some about transparency and about them giving notice on where they're going to open schools some of them about open meetings with charters and how they're structured and you know if you've read a lot about this you've seen a lot of horror stories where uh you know the the whole makeup of the charter is a family and they're all making exorbitant salaries and there's 20 kids in the school and that kind of thing but uh Talk to us a little bit about charter. I don't know how how active charters are in Tyler, but you may want to touch on that a minute. Yeah, you know, uh, UT Tyler here in our backyard, they opened one up a few years ago. Um, and then there's a uh, kind of a mom-and-pop charter that sprung up here. It's got about 2,200 kids inside of our school system. Right. You know, the, they're, both of those examples, their demographics don't look like ours. Um, right. And, and, and so certainly that's just, that's a fact. I'm not going to go too deep into that. So I think the, the listeners out there can probably, um, portray, um, uh, what my thoughts are in their own mind. Sure. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I'm all for choice and innovation. And, and that's what I, we're to the point now in Tyler where we have choice and innovation via our Pathfinder initiative. Um, that, that I, I kind of throw my hands up in the air and I gave you the, the AP data, um, early on. Right. Um, I'm just kind of saying, what are they doing better than what we're doing? And, and I, and I feel, I feel, I feel that way. Um, you know, you've got some charters that spout off about they have 100% college readiness because by the time they're Christmas of their senior year, they better be accepted or they're not going to get to come back. I mean, there, there's a lot of gamesmanship that's going on there. And, and I don't think that's what the intention was. The t- intention was in the really deep, um, <clears throat> seated urban districts to where you had a lot of, of struggling schools and you had a lot of political chaos at the board level and ineffective leadership back in the mid nineties, you know, maybe a charter made sense, but it's gotten out of control to where pretty much you can just get a charter awarded to anyone. And uh, well, that's exactly right. I was, I was around when the charter movement started and you know, it was presented to us back then. And I would say, yeah, the nineties, late mid nineties was probably when I remember it coming into play, but it was going to be these at risk kids that just couldn't function in public schools. And we're going to give them a place where they can get the help that they need and get the one-on-one and get the counseling. And, and I mean, that's the way it was presented. And, and that has now evolved into, 
it's just another business pro- proposal. It's just another business that people can open and go rent an office in the local strip mall and call it a charter school, and and you know we're making money. And so it's, it's certainly not what it was intended to be when it started, in my opinion. No, and and you know, not to lament or lament, excuse me, the 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 funding because I think the legislature is about to take care of some of that, but. Um, you know, when when you've got a, a a redundancy, and that's what I call it, uh, it's a redundancy. Yeah. Again, the, what what are they doing that's that much better than what we're doing? Um, that redundancy right there is costing the taxpayers, state of Texas, money, and 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 uh, you know about nine hundred million dollars, I think, and and uh, the way that charter schools are funded, if they were to be adjusted to how uh, the K twelve, what I call constitutional schools um, or public schools here in Texas um, how they're funded if they make that adjustment then there's 900 million dollars that would go back into the system for everybody's equitable and how they're funded well you know when 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 what six percent of your population is being funded with 16 percent of the available school funding uh, where at your charters and then your school systems I guess are the remaining 84% of the kids that are in K-12 constitutional education here in Texas um, are only receiving 84% or, uh, yeah, 84% of that funding. Uh, I, I think that, that, that that's an issue. And, and, um, sure. and I, I think, I think that that's been something that, that hasn't been talked about very much. And again, there's some savings there. If you want to talk about funding the, 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 the K-12 schools that have been, been here for a while that are, that are impacting our, the, Whose outcomes are impacting our Texas economy? You know, the, the ninth best or tenth best economy in the world. Um, we've got to look at some things like that and and, and call a spade a spade and and, and let's go and and yeah. And like you said, you're you've got six percent of the kids getting sixteen percent of the money, and then when you look at results and look at test scores, the public schools are just killing them. I mean, it's not even yeah. close. Not even close. Yeah, and so you know, I I know that debate's been around. Heck, you know, I'm an old, I'm an old broken down ball player and and, and a competitor, and, and I just, you just kind of want that playing field to be level. Absolutely. Tell me what the rules of the game are, and I'm going to compete. But I, I want that person sitting next to us to do that. But if I was a taxpayer, um, that would be the number one concerning thing for me. That 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 is redundant education, and and we all want to be efficient with taxpayer dollars. There's we don't want to waste anything, right? But there's one, there's something in your backyard right there, Texans that. That uh, right there, that redundancy. Um, that 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 I, you know, we've got a local school uh, charter system in our district here, and it's got twenty two hundred kids. If I were to take on those twenty two hundred kids back into my school system, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have to take on too much more staff to provide them the same education that they're receiving and continue our our quality of education we're receiving here. I would not have to add too many employees to take that on. That that is efficiency right there. Yeah, absolutely. And um but 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 no, we're having a, we're operating a different uh, a school system within our own school system that redundancy and that's going to cost the taxpayers um even more money. Yeah. At least 900 million dollars that, that that I think that that's been described that based on formulas sitting out there that could be injected back into to public ed. Yeah, I don't I don't get it, but that's where we are right now and and yeah. like I said there are a few bills that would at least put a little closer microscope on charters and 
and we'll see where they where those go. Yeah, um, sure. Two other bills I want to talk to you about that really in the last week or so have gotten a lot of traction, and and I think they're really dangerous. And one's a Senate uh, bill, and I've got a number of Senate Bill twenty nine by Hall. I'm there. I think there's another one by Fallon that's out there, and then House Bill two eighty one. But they all they all they both cover the same topic, and and basically it says it prohibits the use of public money by certain political subdivisions for lobbying activities. And so it would essentially include TASA, TACS, TASB, all the different organizations that schools are associated with that are in Austin watching bills that affect schools, reporting back to us how they might affect us to enable us to be educated on what's going on in Austin. And if these bills pass, you would no longer be able to really be part of these organizations if they are going to continue uh, doing those type activities. And so this to me is dangerous. I mean, it's it, it's just saying let us as politicians go to Austin without being bothered by you school people and uh, we'll take we'll pass the laws that we want to pass and we don't need to hear from you. Basically, that's the way I read it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, heck, throw PTA in there, Texas PTA. Yeah, yeah. they're part of it, too. Because <laughs> I think they, they spent some time uh, speaking with legislators, and and we need to listen to them. They're, they're our constituents, the PTAs are, and, and uh, our supporters, and they can also do a lot of good, positive things for our for our schools. And so that's where I'm, I'm coming from on that. And I also come from it from a First Amendment point of view. Um, I just I can't believe that we're to the point in Texas of all places where we that Texas exceptionalism, excuse me, um, that that we that we really are attacking some of these things as far as from my First Amendment viewpoint. And um, it's crazy. You know, I I don't look at it from the organizational piece of it because I'm gonna I'm always gonna have good relationships with my legislators here and even the ones that, that aren't that don't represent me. Yeah. Um, because we're gonna we're gonna do things professionally and we're gonna have good conversations with them because I I think they do from you know, ninety eight percent of them want what's best for Texas and uh, but but that it concerns me from a constitutionality viewpoint in regard to that. But not only that, but but some of the things that, that's coming out of there about quote unquote electioneering. Man, I don't have time to electioneer. Oh I've got gosh. a school system with eighteen thousand kids to run, and um, the natural process of of uh, of people just talking, of being Americans, of being Texans in their workrooms during their thirty minute lunch break or whatever. That's that's going to come up. And and to su- suppress that is not Texan for one. It's not American. And and as you get into those other bills, you're talking about or- organizations and whatnot. Um, they're 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 just as much of a resource to legislators as they are to school superintendents and the school boards. And so, I think that's that's silly um, to 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 make that a priority right now in the condition that we're in as a country. Um, and, and, and certainly in the condition that we are right now where we can do some great things for, for the future of Texas with our students and our teachers and the economy. So, and, and, and oh, by the way, Doc, it, 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 it coincides with a bill that, that says that, you know, we can, we're going to, as a state, sue Twitter and Facebook if they suppress some of our, um, more conservative ideals and, exactly. and ideas online. So, so we're, we're saying that, 
why is it why is it okay for Twitter and Facebook to suppress your First Amendment right to to speak your mind? And at the same time, we're going to go and attack it from this other angle and saying that 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 you can't talk about any of this stuff in in the workrooms or or just over the coffee pot or over the water cooler. Yeah, I think yeah. that goes under the. Uh, if we like what you're saying, then you can say it as loudly as you want to. But if we don't like what you're saying, then we're going to do what we can to suppress your voice. Uh, it always it always amazes me that these politicians who are taxpayer funded positions, by the way, and they're working in our taxpayer funded capital. It always amazes me that they can go out and endorse candidates and write letters and and blast people for for what they're doing or blast our schools or call for the resignations of superintendents and and they can do all of that under the guise of their job as a legislator but if you're a public employee like a teacher you can't have that conversation in the lounge or you can't post that on your facebook page at lunch or i mean it just amazes me the the stupidity of of people that bring these bills up and and what's even worse is they passed the committee. I mean, Senate bill was passed out of the the Senate, uh, out of the entire Senate, and the House bill was was voted out of committee. So these are not just crazy bills that are sitting out there on the vine. These actually have passed a committee. Yeah, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of compromise and negotiating that goes on um, to 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 get a lot of things accomplished in Austin. And I and I and I know they get down there and. They hit a wall um, at this point in time. I think they, well, they got forty percent left, to thirty five percent left of the regular yeah, session. Winding down, and they and they I, I, let, let's talk about it. they get pressured down there. Once they get down there, it's it's, it's and they get away from their from the from from their home districts. Um, they do communicate with us, uh, but but they it's it's a uh, midnight to, to noon and a noon to midnight job down there and there there are agents down there that are in their ear that, that may not be representing your you know your part of texas and yeah. and, and and heavily influenced and i, and I sure i'm not going to bring up any names or anything like that because i don't really pay much attention to that stuff um but but they're they they have a tough job down there and i think sometimes they they get influenced in a direction um, uh, because they're all down there. And, of course, they <laughs> – I hate saying this, but it's almost a group think mentality. And, sure. and, it, and if they don't stay in touch back with their home districts um, frequently, then, then they wind up getting down there and they, and they, and they get a lot of, of pressure. Um, they're all human to do some of these things and i and I, I believe to be honest with you they're they they're chasing ghosts and 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 when i say that it's just i think there's just some made up things that that there's some folks want to get their way and and they, they put these things out here about quote-unquote electioneering or or oh, yeah. lobbying or 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 whatnot and and they come up with with bad legislation and of course there's you know even the legislators will say we're just trying to keep bad legislation from happening um but with the amount of bills that are filed and the um and oh by the way they got to start campaigning right away when they get through this session so that they can keep their position here um right I think there's a lot of things that go into influencing those those bills, other than just them just trying to be mean spirited. And, and there is some of that too, Doc. I'm oh, honest yeah. with you. Well, there's no there's doubt. Some, some of these people are just they can't. They, they, there's a lot of hate 
and and um and I just you know being over here by the pine curtain um it's it's, it's as far as uh speaking with about values you know this east texas um the buckle of the bible belt and their their values are pretty tight here i'm not going to get in i'm not going to call them conservative or liberal because that, that that takes on political connotations but our values are pretty tight here in east texas and sure. not as loose as maybe some of the urban areas and 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 if you've got a problem with an urban area or how how some people are running their their cities or their counties or their school systems um to to lump the great people of East Texas and some of the things they're trying to accomplish it's just not fair and uh you know you're in a conservative part of the state as far as their values go or tight their tight values absolutely um, traditional values and and so in saying that you know what maybe um needed need need to happen in other parts of the state um to where maybe property taxes and appraisals are out of control um you know you go talk to the folks over there in, in granbury and you talk to the people in tyler um you know some of the stuff coming out of austin is not uh is not good for for taxpayers or or, or good for the kids and students and teachers of tyler texas or granbury texas yeah. and that's what's disappointing is that we all just kind of get lumped into all this, and that's not the Texan way. The, uh, the Texan way is to, to stay in touch with your local your local district and uh, your Senate district or your House district. And again, I kudos to Matt uh, Schaefer for for doing that this session. What we, what okay. you just described is what makes those bills so important that they are defeated. Because if you take away the Tasbys and the Tassas and the people PTAs and the people looking out for schools and kids. What you are left with in Austin lobbying our legislators are, you know, the tourism lobby and the gun lobby and the beer lobby and uh, the every other issue lobby, the Empower Texas nuts. You know, you're left with those who are who are lobbying your legislature and that's the only message they're getting. And then they come out and say, well, we didn't hear from our schools. And, you know, as a school superintendent, what are there, 8,000 bills filed each session? There is no yeah. way for you as a superintendent to go research all those bills to know what's going on. And so that is one of the important parts of these organizations is that they can do that research and they can let us know what's going on and what we need to be alerted to. So I just yeah. think this is a dangerous, dangerous path that, that they're going down. It really is, and, and I and I I'd have never known that this was out. This one bill's out there. I can't remember the number on it, but pretty much uh, uh, limiting what you can do with the DOI. You know, the District of Innovation. Absolutely. One thing we've done has been able to adjust the school calendar a bit. We're not. We don't start at the first of August. There are some school systems that are starting pretty early. I'm like going, wow, I can't yeah. imagine that. But you know, especially in the urban setting, um, condensing the, the school calendar is not good for kids, period. We, yeah, minutes are great. Um, but we need days. We need a, a length in the calendar to be able to serve our kids, not just on the academic and instructional side. Uh, but, but, you know, as far as you, if you're going to condense that down, that's maybe three weeks or maybe four weeks a month of their lives where they're not, not also receiving, um, you know, safe place to be, an air conditioned place to be, or a roof Absolutely. over their head, or, 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 you know, you know, gosh, free and reduced lunch. If you look at our state school system, uh, as far as the demographics go and the economic disadvantage, if you condense down to where you have to, to, 
to end school before Memorial Day and begin after Labor Day, the old school way, because everybody likes to say, well, I remember when I went to school, you know, from Labor Day to Memorial Day. Right, exactly. A long time ago. Um, I think that's something that's concerning. And, oh, by the way, Doc, I know you want to wrap this session up, but, oh, by the way, you've also got teachers on 187-day contracts. So right. if you're going to condense the school year down to instructional days, quote-unquote, well, down back back down to maybe 167 or 165, I saw that, then we're going to have the most professionally developed teaching staff ever because they're not going to give up their contract days. You may be conditioning exactly. the instructional time for kids, but you're going to have a lot of your money uh, not being used in the classroom. In That's other words, exactly right. they won't be to be teaching kids. It'll be to be going through training and professional development. And I, I think everything's got unintended consequences, and that is an unintended consequence right there just because we're we're trying to satisfy some lobby um, no that's out there. Yeah. So. Hey, one more issue I want to bring up. Both of us come from yeah. an athletic background, coaching background, and, and there's a bill out there. This is – this has raised its head in the last several sessions. Uh, the bill would allow homeschool children to participate in UIL activities. And, you know, on the surface, people say, what's the harm in this? You know, what's what's the harm? And, and I guess my concern with it, and I'll hear your thoughts, but my concern is it, it's going to allow parents to just cherry pick. Oh, I'm going to go let my kid do band. You know, we don't we don't like your school for the academics. We don't we think we can do better at home. But since we don't have a band, we're going to send our kid to, to first period band. Or maybe my child wants to play baseball. So when baseball season starts, let us know and we'll start taking them to baseball. I mean, that's essentially what they are asking for. Uh, what are your thoughts? One, why would we want to mess with the the world class interscholastic um, association that we have here? UIL is phenomenal. It's the best in the nation. It's the best in the world. It's worked for a hundred years now, uh, almost a hundred years now. So why would we, we talk about Texas exceptionalism? That's something we need to protect, and, and that no one else has. Um, and it makes our, our school systems better. And I think even the privates and the parochials will tell you that they really don't want much part of that because of some of the, uh, they like their thing. We like our thing. Yep. Um, and the other thing is this was, this was a genesis out of, of other states. And why do we want to be like other states? Why do we want to be like California and New York and even Florida? Yeah. Um, where these things kind of popped up out of and, yeah, they're, they're, for for every Tim Tebow story that's out there, there's probably a 99 or or 999 um, situations to where it, they just, it's just not being done for the right reason. So right. it goes back to kind of the charter question too. We're doing great things. What are they doing better than what we're doing? Um, our schools are just fine. Uh, our schools have godly people in them. Our schools have Christian values in them or whatever reason you're choosing your homeschool, you know, reason. So in saying that, we, we, uh, we have a pretty good thing going here. Um, I'd say just again, going back to that, just why do you want to mess with that? Uh, when, when you have such a great thing going here and, yeah. um, and, and athletics is just and, and extracurricular activities and band and, and ag and FFA and, speech and debate, UL academics, um, they they teach so much. And I think that when you, you talk about watering it down it, it, and cherry picking and 
and I'm just going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. You know, what, what's that teaching our, teaching the youth of our, of our text, uh, of our state? And so I, I think, yeah, obviously I'm opposed to it. It comes up every session, right. but, um, I just think it's another thing. It, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not recreational. It's not youth sports. There's a lot of, of, uh, things that you invest that you, that you carry with you later on in life and develop a lot of grit of having to earn a position, um, of, of, of knowing that you've completed a, a, a large task of going to an eight to four school day, you know, maybe practicing, uh, for band or a sport until, six o'clock or seven o'clock at night going home doing your homework going to sleep waking up doing that again that exactly. you want to talk about on the job training um i just don't think you're getting that um whenever you allow folks that can kind of do a la carte education to come in and, and take advantage of participation in extracurricular activities well and, i agree 100 percent on that and and uh yeah. I've, I've said before i support a parent's right to homeschool if that's what they think is best for their kids more power to them if you want to send your kid to a private school, you think that's the best setting for them, more power to you if that's what you believe. But when you do that, you're making choices. And and one of the choices you make when you decide to homeschool your child is you're homeschooling your child. You are no longer part of the public school system. And I've heard the argument, well, we pay taxes too. Yes, you do. And, and you pay taxes for a public school system that is right there ready to take you in. All you have to do is come sign up and you're in, uh, you know, and just like I tell people sometimes when they when they throw that I pay taxes argument at me, yeah, I pay taxes to the city and the county, but I don't go borrow the, the dump truck on the weekend if I need to do some work around my yard. You know, it's just it's not that way. So uh, hopefully legislators will hold firm on this and, and understand that choice is a choice and there are consequences to those choices. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, I, life is made of choices, no doubt, and yeah. um, and I really think that that we need to to to, to protect some of that. And and um, uh, the world's changing around us. Our country's changing as well. And I, I, some of those American and Texan values of of uh, of grit and determination and, and committing yourself to that to that uh to that experience like i described eight to four school day with extracurriculars sprinkled at the front end of the back end of that or even during the day um that that's just something to, that, that we need to hold true yeah. and uh, again like you said hey more power to you i'm not going to tell you how to educate educate your kid we've got a great thing going on in, inside of our k-12 schools here in texas and, and we're open and willing to, to take you and we'll even tailor your education for you here absolutely and, uh, um you know because we, we realize not every kid you know wants to go to school monday through friday with a four o'clock pep rally and a friday night football game so there's plenty of choice and innovation in our school systems and um, we can make that happen and oh by the way if you choose us and you want to participate in one of our world-class um, extracurricular activities um, that's just that's just a benefit for you. It's going to benefit your kids down the road. So, um, again, Absolutely. choose us, and, and and you're going to have a great experience. No doubt. Well, Marty, where can people find out about Tyler ISD and all the good things going on there in Tyler? And follow you maybe on social media if they want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I've got a Twitter handle um, at DMCETX, and then uh, 
I don't even know what our Twitter handle is on, on, on with, with uh, Tyler ISD, but we're, we're on tw- uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, like everyone else. Uh, TylerISD.org dot org is our um, is our um, <clears throat> website. Uh, website, yeah. And um, so it's not that difficult anymore. It's, it's there's a story that's being written here in Tyler. It's a pretty cool thing, and our our teaching staff and our principals have just done a phenomenal job and you know, really has and have embraced assessment of learning as as part of the natural teaching and learning and assessment process. We were so adverse to that. I think Texas has been adverse to that because of the debate on high stakes testing. Right. And um, we've had to figure out a way to, to really make that a portion. You know, you've got to know where a kid's going, where he's at, and where he's going, and where his strengths are and where her strengths uh, may not be and, and, and design your instruction to make sure that they do become smarter every day. Right. And um, so the great things are happening here as they are across the state. And I appreciate you having me on today to talk about these things. And you've had a pretty cool list of superintendents talking about a variety of things from their different parts of the state. Um, just can't say enough about the people of Tyler and what's going on in Tyler, Texas. Absolutely. Well, Hey, we appreciate you spending time with us today and, and uh, all the great things going on in Tyler ISD, and like I said, I've followed your career and appreciate the work that you do and I love your family, and uh, best wishes to you and as you continue your career. Yeah, you bet. This is Game Day Media.